0: So, talking about the Newsweek article, that the one that we just read is the Newsweek. Was that the Newsweek article? That's weird that it was in Newsweek.
1: Yeah, I think it was for Easter. You know, they were pulling out. <clears throat> it's Easter, so we need to have, like, a picture of Jesus or the resurrection or, you know.
0: So, we need we. Who needs to have a picture of Jesus? Newsweek. Newsweek. Oh, because the it was Easter.
2: Came out the week of Easter, and so they put a photo of Jesus on the front cover, and the cover story was about Christianity in crisis.
0: Well, for anybody that's listening, I'm going to post this on the website so you could read it, but. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that it was put in Newsweek as a cover article, personally, just because it's just...
2: Well, it's critical of the church, though. Yeah.
0: Which helps. It's like we met our religious quota, but it actually is kind of <laughs> not a good thing. <laughs> you know, it's not a... It, I wouldn't say it's endorsing the church. But um uh with the article, kind of just to give a quick summary, it... uh it takes a look at the church and kind of uses, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I probably will be, but it uses Thomas Jefferson's story as an example. And what Thomas Jefferson did, um, he created, and I, and I heard about this prior, but I did learn a few things about the way it happened, or just this, more to the story by reading this. But Thomas, Tom, 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 Thomas, Thomas Jefferson created a Bible, or took our Bible... And basically cut what he liked out. Um, And that's important. It's what he liked. He cut what he liked out. Um, He didn't include any of the miracles, right? And according to this article, he did not include any of the miracles that Jesus made. But a lot of the stuff that he cut out was stuff that is good to look at today, though, too. um, Which was kind of... Looking at how Jesus Jesus's um, teachings on love and um, uh, being kind and whatnot. And so um, that, that's, that's what he did in short. And this I didn't know that the Bible was still around and it was at um, it's at the National Museum of American History in DC, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Just a kind of a question about Thomas Jefferson. Did he, after reading this, it make? Why did he do that? Can anyone? Can either one of you answer that? Did he? Was he looking to start his own religion? Um, was this? Was he trying to infuse religion with politics? Was it
2: actually in Jefferson's mind? I think he was doing the opposite. Um, I don't know. In great detail, but what I believe is that Jefferson um, had issues with some of the, uh, the the more difficult to understand passages of the Bible, and he, what he was trying to do was just reduce the New Testament down to the the moral teachings of Jesus, the principles that that were good and noble, and that and that he believed that all people should should understand and stand for. Um, but the counter to that is that in doing so, he did remove portions of scripture that he didn't like or that he didn't understand or that didn't fit his philosophy and reduced it down reduced jesus from being this a supernatural deity the son of god to simply being a great moral teacher so there's um jefferson's approach has has been criticized because he he took away some of the power of god um, by but, he, but still, what Jesus says on, from a moral perspective is still worth following, and it's still important. But um, the article, though, is not – it uses Thomas Jefferson as an example of, of making a point that, though, that Christianity has become wrapped up uh, with principles of politics and, and power structures mm-hmm. and, and uh, an institutionalized approach that – that is actually also stripped of its power. and Maybe it's time for Christianity to reclaim its faith by going back to basic fundamental principles um, that, that are important to every person. And so it uses Jefferson as an example of that, in that Jefferson stripped everything back down to fundamental principles. But I happen to disagree with Jefferson's approach, even though I think that that the point of the article overall is, is valid, that it's time for Christianity to come back to basic fundamental principles and remove all of the, the, the added stuff, the politics and, and so on that mm-hmm. that have clouded the, the central issue of the faith.
1: Yeah, yeah Kind of what I got, my takeaway from the article when I read it was that <clears throat> he, he was cutting out everything that weren't the actual words of Jesus speaking. And what I kind of thought he was saying from what I read was that if we would just really look at what Jesus said, rather than what we think he said or what we uh, our interpretation of what he said, that's where we get off. That's where we get messed up. Is and he was cutting that out. But what I realized as I was thinking about that, if a guy took a Bible and he said, "Okay, I'm going to keep this portion," he's looking at one page and he says, "I'm going to take this little exacto knife and I'm cutting out these words around it." I thought, what a what a great analogy! That if you turn the page over, you've cut out things that you didn't see.
2: Right. You know, uh, and to yeah. me,
1: it was kind of like, he's kind of, you know, that's that's kind of the point is that you can you can dissect the Bible, <clears throat> cutting out all the words that aren't what Jesus is saying. But because you're not looking at both sides of the page, you still might miss some things that he did say. Yeah. So you're trying to make this point. I I cut out all the words that weren't Jesus actually speaking, which I I believe there is a weight to the words of Jesus that go beyond what people have said they think he's saying. Agreed. Yeah. Because like part of the lightning rod issues that are in our society right now aren't necessarily what Jesus said. They're just what people... Think he said, or think he might have said, or wish he would have said, to support their their particular ideology.
2: Right, right. Yeah, I agree with that. John and I were talking about um, before we began, though, about what Jefferson did, though, which I think is where we started this argument. And in the article itself, it says that Jefferson's agenda was to remove any agendas and doctrines that that caused division and. and and were not actually based on the words of jesus but in the words of the article itself it says which doctrines were those that he removed it was the supernatural claims that fused with politics and power gave successive generations war inquisitions pogroms reformations and counter reformations and so there's a there, that is an important point that what jefferson did was remove the the deity of christ but by exercising by separating his comments from the person that that was speaking them so anyways i i don't want to spend the hour talking about thomas jefferson i was just noting that, that that i i while i like the approach that this article takes and i like a lot of its conclusions the argument i was having with john is that i i don't agree with some of the the points, the illustrations that the writer of this article uses to get to those conclusions. Yeah. And in particular, it's the Thomas Jefferson part that, <laughs> yeah. that I have an issue with.
1: Yeah, speak to that a little bit, because you had sent me an article, which I thought was really good, uh, was kind of a, a counter-idea, the one written by Tony Campolo. Yeah. Where he, yeah. You know, he brought out the idea you know, he had the quote, he used the quote. Of you know, St. Like, Augustine, yeah. Yeah, St. Augustine, the, the church is a whore, but she is my mother. And he was kind of, I've I thought making a great point that there is a place for the church in society today because we grew up in it and we learned a lot of our basic Bible studies and we learned how to serve and we learned how to get involved. And, and
2: we, we learned about Jesus himself yeah, through the church. She's yeah. my mother. Yeah. She's
1: my mother. And I can't just not like her or just say that she's not part of my life.
2: She is. Yeah. So
1: speak to that a little bit about well, what thinking.
2: We've even brought that point up when we uh, talked about that documentary, Lord, Save Us From Your Followers, that takes that very quote of St. Augustine, the church is a whore but she is my mother, and explains the balance that we have to achieve as Christians. So one side of the argument, like this Andrew Sullivan article in Newsweek, or uh, the argument that a lot of people that have grown up in the church and are dissatisfied with the church, is that, the church institution has committed great sins over the years. You know, you've got um, the abuse of young children in the Catholic Church. You have the Spanish Inquisition. You have the Crusades. And whatever else you want to dra- drag up, we have made mistakes in the past. And so there, you get an idea, and it kind of comes through in this article. Forget the church. Forget the institutionalized religion. It hasn't done, it's done more harm than good. And just follow Jesus. Well, while that's a noble sentiment, it's only one half of the argument. It the, covers the point that the church is a whore. <laughs> She's been unfaithful. She has made mistakes. She's, she has led people astray. That's true. I'm, I'm honest enough to admit that the church has made mistakes. But the church is also the source of, of truth. And this, the church teaches us about Jesus Christ. So Tony Campolo wrote a letter, a series of letters, which were compiled into a book called Letters to Young Evangelicals. And the point of his letters was, let's be honest that the church has made mistakes, but let's be uh, mature enough to recognize that the church has also done great good. And therefore, the point is not to abandon the church. The point is to reform the church. You know, to take the good and emphasize that and promote from within the truth and and ideals that are important. So his letters were a great encouragement to people, don't abandon the church. Don't run away because of mistakes in the same way that you wouldn't abandon your mother because she made some mistakes. You still have to love your mother and you can still learn um, and and get guidance from it. So I find that a very... uh, intellectually satisfying balance to strike between recognizing the mistakes but also saying hey the hope for this world is the church not only that but it's very biblical because the 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 goal the the destination that we're heading towards and what revelation describes is the church as a bride of christ coming into union with jesus fully and completely and having been restored and redeemed and so uh, that motif of a fallen woman, a, a whore that is redeemed, is very central to Scripture. And the church fits that description. The church is, is, a, is a redeemed sinner, you know, someone that's been set free from the past. And so, so it's important not only to see that as on an individual basis, but also within our whole church, that the church can be forgiven, redeemed, set free, restored, and become the beautiful bride of Christ that we are destined to be. So why would you abandon that? Yeah. You're only—if you do, yeah. you're ignoring half of the argument. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, going back to the Newsweek article for a second, it's like I, you can look at those things and say, okay, how can we how can we adjust? You know, because uh, the point he, he was making was we've gotten so involved with the power of our voice, uh, you know, getting involved in political issues and. Those kinds of things um, that maybe we've forgotten some of the things that are maybe more important, you know. Like if we see, you know, you were using the illustration of uh, the redeemed person and set free from the previous life. If the church was more like that, then we would be more focused on, like you know, in the Bible they talked about cities of refuge, you know, places that people could go. No matter what they had done, maybe they had murdered somebody or maybe they had, you know, just the most horrible things. But they were, uh, God and his word set out that there would be cities of refuge that people could go to. And it's like, I kind of see that as the picture of the church. And it's, <clears throat> I look at, you know, our practices and even my own heart and my own attitude sometimes aren't that. But I think it's something to try to achieve or something to try to reach for, that we would be a place of refuge, that people, no matter what they're going through, they could come and receive love, acceptance, and, and forgiveness uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I, for me, I'd rather give my time to those kinds of projects rather than, uh, I won't even name any of them, any of the lightning rod issues that are that are happening right now in the church.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I I know what you mean, um, and I think that the, he the author of this article makes a good a good point um, in emphasizing those things. Yeah. Jesus was more concerned with our discipline, our self denial, than he was the issues that we stand for. Yeah. Is that one way to, to think of it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's that's important. In fact, there was a there was one particular phrase or a paragraph that. I thought was interesting, especially interesting in this article, and it's this. Um, All of which is to say something so obvious that it's almost taboo. Christianity itself is in crisis. It seems no accident to me that so many Christians now embrace materialist self-help rather than ascetic self-denial, or that most Catholics, even regular churchgoers, have tuned out the hierarchy in embarrassment or disgust. Given this crisis, it's no surprise that the fastest-growing segments of belief among the young is atheism, which has leapt in popularity in the new millennium. Nor is it a shock that so many have turned away from organized Christianity towards spirituality, co-opting or adapting the practices of meditation and yoga, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, all of which points out that the thirst for God, the, the thirst for truth exists, but people aren't finding it in, in the church. The, that spirituality is something that is innate within every one of us, but somehow it's not being fed by what goes on in the church. And I think the point of it of, that he made at the beginning is that we've we've Christianity has morphed more into self-help than self-denial. It's become selfish yeah. at its heart instead of selfless. Yeah. And Jesus great, took great pains, and even the New Testament writers took great pains to point out that that the way to freedom and liberation is in self-denial yeah. and in supporting others looking yeah. up. and one score pastor recently wrote an article that was sent around that his view of it is that the church should be a hospital for sinners not a hotel for saints which is a nice you know a nice summation of what we're trying to say is that we're here to to reach out and and be a part of that rehabilitation that redemption process yeah. not to just feel comfortable about ourselves.
1: Yeah. I love you know, the, the part of the article where he was saying that uh, Jesus had all power and authority. And rather than use that power and authority against the government, the, you know, the government of Rome and the, the power and authority, the governmental power and authority, in fact, what he did is he submitted to that. He, he laid down his life before it, even though he could have taken up that authority, he gave all of that authority up to gain everything. You know, he gave yeah. it all up to so that he could have everything. Yeah. It's like that's that's kind of different than what we see but not everybody in the church, but there's a lot of stuff going on in Christianity today where they're you know, they're putting all their time and money and effort into supporting, you know, political candidates and, and those kinds of things. It's like
2: well and a lot of effort goes into church building into building a following and and yet we read where jesus drove away his followers and removed himself and and kept to a small group And, and we overlook that jesus was a small church pastor not a big church pastor and i'm not that's not a criticism of big churches because i've been involved in big churches and small churches and i know that there's there's um you know like a costs and benefits of both ways of doing things but my point is is that we we spend maybe too much effort in it in trying to grow the church expand the kingdom of god instead of just living our lives daily um denying ourselves and in doing so being exam an example that will ultimately grow the church but it's not it's not our priority
0: i think you said i think being an example i mean because To cut it short, what – okay, we've recognized there are things in the church that need to be fixed um, from this article. And a lot of good things were said, like the – I really like the hospital for the sinners instead of – Hotel for the Saints and those type of things, and you hear those type of things in Christian media being said, and documentaries you've watched. So I think I think there's a, a fair amount of people that get it, but there it's very. I mean, I, maybe it's just me, but I don't often see a reaction or this is what you do, or you know, okay, we recognize it, but how do we live this out? You know, how do we change and be uh, uh, selfless or be, uh, this way. And I think, I think you hit it on the the head by being an example and not being a, I mean, I say this cautiously and correct me if I'm wrong, but not being a church that's built on programs and built on numbers and built on just business. Um, of of being bigger or being, um, um, something wrong because without the church, I mean, to me, it's so obvious that we need the church, um, for relationship. And, you know, if, you know, anything else is to be able to be with other Christians and, or other followers of Christ and to, you know, for those people that are seeking. Um, so it's pretty, obvious to me why we need a church, whether there's things that we've done wrong in the past or not. Um, but I just think that we need to, you know, there needs to be more of a, okay, this is what we need to do instead of, you know, what, what has to be done. And and I I get a lot, I, I read a lot of, uh, this is what's wrong, but I don't read a lot of, what it should look like
2: well i think the problem with that is that we are we are at the beginning of what will be if in a hundred years or 500 years time when people look back we are at the very formation of a radical reformation of the way that church is done and people have been very good about identifying the problems but they've stumbled over well what's the solution yet and there have been very a lot of attempts you know you have the the blue-like jazz Donald Miller-type attempts at identifying what has to be done. And his approach, without, being, without knowing it for sure, but it's more of the abandon the church and let's create a, a new church in its place. Then there's you know the emergent church movement that sprung up and then sort of fizzled out, trying to do the same thing. Like, what is it that we're missing that we need to recapture? So that, the movement is underway, but it has not yet been realized yet what, what it is. But people have continued to recognize that God, the Spirit of God is speaking to his church. And it's mostly in the Western church because there's other parts of the world that maybe have captured things already and are more advanced in that sense than than we are. But in the Western church, we've been much better identifying the problem than identifying the solution. However, what I think we will discover, if I – this is what I – I don't quite yet know how to do it myself, but what I think we will discover is that it is more about self-denial and it's more about um, being radically obedient than it is a- attendance or showing up or, or um, checking off a mark to say that you've completed a certain program. That's the best that I can describe it <laughs> at, at this point, but it's what I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to work towards personally. And I feel that personally at some point I'm going to be challenged – um, to, to give up stuff, give up stuff that I use in my life that actually becomes more of a crutch than it, than it is a tool. Um, and I, I think that as more and more people embrace that radical form of Christianity, David, David Platt, who wrote the book Radical, is an example of it. You know, he's, he tried to move his church into a new way of doing things. And he went from a big church, basically to a big church with a small church mentality. You know, there's it's just steps. It's steps in the in the right direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then uh, the, the last, I'll let you guys comment as well. But the last thing I would say is that, that the major difference that has to happen in our faith is that we actually do what we say we should do. Yeah. Putting mm-hmm. into practice the principles of the faith is yeah. what has been lacking in the church.
0: Yeah. And, and I think when you have a big church... And this is, I wouldn't know, but if you have a big church, I mean, it has to be hard to want to change something. You know, when you have that beast running, and it, I mean, it's a machine. Even I mean, if you want to, it can be hard to actually, right. actually change the, you know, machine. Yeah, and, and, the machine. And I'm sure that, you know, even in mega churches down to smaller churches, and I mean, I know you know little old churches that the pastor grew up in a mega church and he's trying to you know run it the same way and um, but they're trying to do the right thing you know they that that's how they know it and that's how they think it works and i mean so it's hard to to bring stuff to light to people i think and have them really accept it when they believe that they're doing right already you know, and, and they and they have the right heart or, you know, the right, they're doing it for the right reasons. And, um, you know, I'm talking about, you know, running a program based. I do, and, and they
2: might be completely sincere. At, exactly. Church history shows us, too, that when God does something new, the old stuff doesn't disappear. The Catholic Church survived the Reformation. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Protestant Church is going to survive Pentecostalism. But at some point, the Pentecostal church is going to be redirected. Those that really are in tune with the Spirit of the Lord, they're going to be redirected to something new that God is doing. And the old things will still exist, and they'll even be successful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I think that uh, it's the old analogy of you know six blind guys all standing around an, uh, an elephant and reaching out and touching it and describing what it is. And they're all, you know, one's touching an ear and one's touching the hoof and one's touching the tail. And, you know, they're describing what it is. It's, I think that that's kind of the unrest, this reformation, this beginning of this reformation that the church is on right now. It's begu- it begins with a little bit of a discontent. That's why we're talking about it today. We're talking about it because we think about these things and we talk about these things. And we're reading authors that are writing books and talking about it. And that's why a guy gets on Newsweek and he writes an article and says, you know, forget the church, follow Jesus. And there's something odd about that. It's like, well, it sort of resonates, but then it's also maybe a little too much, a little overstated. And so we're trying to figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's for sure happening in this Reformation is moving back to an individual responsibility, you know, for personal purity and for personal obedience and for it's it's like it's reducing it down to the individual level, the taking the responsibility at my individual level, not not expecting the church to do it all, but doing it myself, walking in personal yeah. holiness and personal obedience and personal purity. No matter what the church is doing, I'm responsible to God for me. And what happens is God brings three guys together that are doing the same same kind of thing, taking those responsibilities to talk about on a podcast or write a book or connect with others that are doing that. I think that's part of the Reformation that's happening.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Jesus said, if you're going to follow Take responsibility. me, pick up your cross what I say.
1: and follow me. So that personal cross that you have, which is what God has called you to do in this life.
2: And the only thing I would say negative about a large church, and I'm 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 supportive, but what I recognize is that for your average churchgoer in a large church, they get to support other people that are doing the work of Christ, and be satisfied that they've done their share. And I don't think that that's what Jesus calls us to. I don't think that simply supporting other people that are that are doing ministry is what we're supposed to be about as a group. Yeah. But. Forgive me if I always come off like I'm criticizing big churches. I'm not. What I'm criticizing is the church institution that allows that yeah. attitude to persist.
1: And you can tell the writer of the Newsweek article, you know, was coming from a Catholic background because yes. he really kind of took the task, the Catholic Church. But but it's still kind of the same for any denomination or movement or church yes. or fellowship of churches or whatever we, we want to call them. Any group of churches, it's still kind of the same thing.
2: Yes. Well, and and that uh, post-denominationalism will be something that emerges out of this Reformation as well. where We are not divided by fine points of doctrine, but we're united by by, um, unifying principles that we can all agree upon.
1: Post-congregationalism is another one of the terms I've seen used out there. It's like, well... That's in in a way it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's such a romantic idea that I'm just going to go be this awesome, awesome Christian for God, and I don't go to church anymore because I'm feeding the poor every Sunday morning. It's a, it's a great romantic idea, and it's really awesome, you know. But you know, are you really doing that? <laughs> you
2: know, and is that really what we're called to? I mean, yeah. the church, as we've discovered, the church. The, the word ecclesia that's translated as church means a gathering, an assembly of yeah. people. And so if you're not assembling with others, yeah. then you're not being the church. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in fact, we're instructed not uh, not to give up gathering together. It yeah. becomes a habit, as is the habit of some. And, and they met in the temple courts and from house to house. There is gatherings. There is a, a place where we gather together to celebrate what God is doing and to share what God's doing in our lives and to encourage one another daily. And all the more as we see the day approaching. So you can't Lone Ranger, is it? L- lone Ranger, isn't it? Uh, and I don't think that's what's happening. But I think no. there is a place for becoming responsible at the individual level for what God has called me to do. And I'm going to do that. Yes. And God's going to place me amongst people that have the same heart for that. Yeah. And we'll probably do some projects together because we've got the heart for the same kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm but it is it is hard to move a church a group an organization towards that because you do have machinery built in that that is heading in a certain direction but all you can do is just be be an example
0: yeah
1: and i, I think too that you know like the reformation started occurring cuz people started getting antsy in their hearts and in their spirits about the way things were going and they just weren't feeling comfortable with things and you know some of the articles i've read and books i've read you know I it brings up the idea of, you know, the big church and the Americanized church and the church of America and, and how we've sunk so many dollars and we have such a high investment into this that, that we, can't, we can't make those changes. And because there's a conflict of interest that everybody who works for a church or on a church staff or has invested lots of money into it, you know, there's a conflict of interest. They can't do the right thing because of the dollar hold. I don't see that really happening. I, I see people, you know, guys of large churches and guys with little churches and people that are on staff and people that aren't on staff. I see all kinds of people just saying, you know what, I'm not content. I'm not happy with the status quo. I'm going to do whatever it takes and I'll give up anything. I see guys saying, I'll, you know, I see the Francis Chans of the world saying, you know what, I have a big successful church. I, I'm going to give it up so that I can go and, and work inconspicuously and incognito and, and without all that backing. So I know that there are there is a heart for God that is happening out there that many people are tapping into.
2: Yeah, I think Francis Chan is a great example of where the church is, is heading too. Yeah. Because he's simply doing what, what we've said is important. He heard from the Lord yeah. and he did it. And he didn't he didn't yeah. count the cost and he yeah. didn't worry about the consequences. He just simply did what, yeah. you know, what God told him to do. Yeah.
1: And I see people doing that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not giving up on it. I, I believe in it. I believe that people are doing that no matter what. They don't care about positions and programs and, and those kinds of things, even though they might be have a position and they might still be working the programs. We're still <laughs> moving that way. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing about a Reformation. What is it? A Reformation takes 500 years? You know, you know although you look at the, at the history of the church, and you see this increasing. The first Reformation, how long it took. And then the second Reformation, how, sh- how much shorter it took. And there is an acceleration
0: yeah.
1: that scales correctly to the coming of the Lord. And things are happening faster. You know, the inventions of the Gutenberg Press put Bibles in every hands and things started changing. Well, now we've got the Internet and, and the ability to communicate in real time with people. And all that is 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 pushing the is accelerating the kingdom of God as it forcefully advances at a faster rate we can move we can do we can move further faster now because of technology and I think that's in line with what God is speaking to the hearts of men and women
2: yeah yeah no that's good so there is great great hope out there and I I see that I'm a I'm a proponent of hope and I believe that when you see that you work towards it too Mm -hmm. that's your hope is an active thing that you do. You you see it before you and you begin to move in that direction. And it can it's hard because when you I feel sometimes like I, I'm a lone ranger myself and that in that a lot of the issues that I come across, the answers are, are are given to me based upon the institution, you know, the the programmed answer that has worked before and I just don't I don't see it working this time and so sometimes I feel like we're we're out alone trying to forge a new path, but I find the excitement, the challenge of, of living that way to be far more important yeah. than than the, than supporting the, the structure of what has been before.
1: Yeah. And we know that the God's not just interested in just the destination. He's interested in the in the progression. He's interested in the process of getting to that destination. And just the fact that we're, that we're all of a sudden the things that have worked for years or hundreds of years aren't working anymore and they feel stale. At least there's some cats out there that are going, oh, you know, I don't like the way this feels anymore. And they're saying, hey, this isn't working anymore. Let's do something different and trying different things. And, we, you know, we may try a whole bunch of different things, uh, you know, and the whole idea of, you know, it takes doing something 50,000 times to get good at it. And, I mean, there is that whole process but this is an exciting time to be part of the kingdom of God. You know, yeah. Because things are happening. You know? I, I would mm-hmm. never abandon the church. I love my church. I love the church I go to. And it's because I love the people there. You know? It's because I love partnering with the people that are also yeah. serving God and being obedient and doing the things that God has called them to do. And they are the church. Yeah. And that is, is the church.
2: church.
0: Yeah. yeah. So in turn, you love the church. Yeah. yeah.
2: There's, There's one thing that. Um, he mentions in that article which we haven't touched on yet which I think is is profound and it, it flies in the face of how we operate in the western church but I believe it's true he says that the church is supposed to be an institution of underachievement and I love that phrase that we are supposed to be underachievers and what it means is personally personally we should not be pursuing power we should not be pursuing fame we should not be trying to make a name for ourselves our achievement should be in promoting Jesus and, and the kingdom of God. And we don't get credit for that. So we underachieve in that sense. And we certainly underachieve in a Western American westernized American sense, because our culture, our society, the American dream is to accomplish personal success, to make a name for yourself, to to achieve greatness in material possessions or in power or in fame. Yeah. And so that attitude flies in the face of it. Another author that I read, Henri Nouwen, who is a great uh, theologian, talks about Christianity being the path of downward mobility, not upward mobility. And I personally resonate with that. And even though it's hard to lay yourself aside and lay your am- personal ambitions aside, there is a freedom that you get from trying to underachieve and pr- and promote God and Jesus and glorify his name. And and it's a prof- I think it's a profound re- rethinking of the way that we approach stuff. And it's why, it's why large churches are trying to adopt a small church mentality. Yeah. It's why the, the Reformation is, is sh- shifting the way that we think and, and achieve and how we measure success and, 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 and anal- analyze the, the ministries that we institute and so on.
1: You know, as you were saying that, the underachiever, I just remembered, you know, the Greek word for being under authority, hupotazo, which means to be arranged under. And when you said that, I thought, well, that's exactly what it's about. It's like I'm arranging myself under the authority of Jesus Christ, so I'm submitting to that. I'm, I'm being arranged underneath it and becoming an underachiever, you know, on purpose. You know, yeah. it's part of that whole upside-down Thing of the kingdom right where it's 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 actually not what it seems it's the opposite and that's why jesus's teachings were mind-blowing because he was he was often teaching the opposite of what you would naturally think and yeah i wrestle with that in my in my life all the time it's like uh, the degree you know the definitions of success in this world are different than the definitions that the kingdom of god sets forth mm-hmm. which jesus has set for
0: I think the definitions of success in this world, or at least in America, is built on selfishness. Whereas the definitions of success in the kingdom of God is built on selfless or selfless- selflessness. Yeah. 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 And I think being an underachiever is based in being selflessness. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, you know, I think, it, you know, Jesus saying, you know, love your neighbor as yourself is basically saying, don't be selfish, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, over and over putting... And then, you know, like I said, putting yourself uh, under Jesus, and uh, I mean, I think it's really simple. I really do. I think it's don't be selfish. selfish. It's so simple. It's It's so
2: simple that we miss it all the time.
0: Well, and I, it's simply said because everything is based on being selfish, you know, and our whole culture is based on being selfish. And so, um, and if you really think about it, when you live your day-to-day life and throughout the day, I mean, I could pick out probably one selfish thing I do every hour, you know, without even – with trying to be self – you know, not be selfish. Um, so it's, it's just it's something to think about.
1: Dude, and you're not even married yet. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like this. It's like, that's why, you know, who's the self mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the most selfish of them all? Men. You know, and here we are, there's three guys sitting here and if there's any women listening to, this, to the podcast right now, their ears have just perked up, you know, because they're thinking, yeah, yeah, men, selfish, but, and that's why Jesus had to say, you know, that's why the Bible had to say, men love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her because we do, we fight that selfishness. And, mm-hmm. and and I love this little thing we're on right now. It's simple. Don't be selfish. And if that's how we learn, I, this, that's how I learn. I, I mean, you know, I'm, con, I'm with you, John. This is like every hour I could probably pick some selfish thing, you know, some selfish attitude or, you know, mm-hmm. something. But the more I lay that down, the more I allow that to go to the cross, the more I allow that to be selfish, na- sin nature to be uh, nailed to the cross. The more I submit that, then the more Christ-like I become. And who's, going to, be, who's mm-hmm. going to be the first recipients of that? Our wives, our children, the people around us, the people that are close to us. And they'll be able to say, wow, there is a reformation in the church happening. And I know it because it's happening with... That guy, <laughs> he's happening with that guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and again, that's the way the world's going to see it too. If we're this is how you'll know that they're my disciples by their love for one another. That'll never happen if we're selfish.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. I agree. And
2: and it's a particular battle that we face in the church because in America because of the culture that's that's around us i mean i watch the ki- the shows that my kids enjoy watching and every one of them is teaching them to pursue either fame or money or success mm-hmm. as the goal of their lives and that it, it even teaches them that they can have it as kids if they whine and cry about it long and hard enough you know what i mean Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> why wait until you're old enough and have earned it you yeah, can yeah. you can have it now if you, yeah. if, you if you put whine. your foot down <laughs> if, you, if you cry loud enough and it's just that's where we've got to right. as, as you know as a as a culture and the church can't right. help but pick up some of that because it's you know, the church is just a reflection of the people that <laughs> that live here. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and, you know, since we're talking about selfishness and stuff, it becomes manifest quite, you know, quite big sometimes when the church gathers. Have you ever noticed that? You know, just when the people of God come together, there's the selfishness that comes out in people's hearts and attitudes and things they say and the way they act and... Ouch! I won't go there too, too much. But <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, we won't just, ask for specific yeah, examples. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just but it, yeah, it can happen on Sunday yeah.
1: mornings. You know, people are getting upset about things, and people are, you know, and it's usually some kind of a selfish. I didn't get my needs met. I wasn't somehow catered to. Somebody didn't say something to me, or yeah, just it's crazy.
0: I, I think if you're angry, if you're mad at something. I'm being it's always based in selfishness not always but like 95% of the time it's Mm -hmm. usually if you have to say because I and that's the key word I like I needed this or I want this done you know you're being selfish and um, yeah Yeah. I don't know again (laughs) we better just
1: leave that one alone (laughs) No, a it, it, but is,
2: it is. It is true, though. I think we recognize that 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 is true. That that, and it's not. It's you know, it's not just a Western American thing. It, it might be magnified by the culture that we live in, but selfishness is is at the root of, of most of <laughs> of what we struggle with through, throughout history. And it, it's that's why Jesus t- spoke about it, and that's why His way seems so upside down to us because and, it's so counter to to our human nature. But our human nature is. Sinful and corrupted by, by nature, by birth. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think it's something so, we should talk about. If uh, you know. Jesus' greatest commandment, don't be selfish. We need to f- take it seriously. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally. What I c- kind of meant when I said well, maybe we should kind of leave that alone is the next. St- we can talk about it in theory. We can yeah. say in theory we should not be selfish. Right. No. But the next step in the discussion would be then. Okay, what are some specific things? And I think, wow, once you go there, that's going to
2: cause... Some you can upset problem. some. Yeah, you can ruffle yeah. some feathers. Yeah, really fast. Uh, let's blame Francis Chan. I, <laughs> I, I read, listened to him preach one time um, online, and I thought he made a, a interesting point. He said um, that... Frequently, you can look back on the previous generations of the church and say, well, boy, they got that completely wrong, and I'm glad that we've corrected it. And he used current examples like how the, the Southern Baptist Church endorsed sl- uh, slavery or, or, or uh, racism in the South when Martin Luther King Jr. was appealing to them to help in the emancipation of, of people and in a yeah. civil rights movement we look back on that now and say boy i'm glad that that we don't make that same mistake we have we're more enlightened than that and that's a good thing it's a good thing that the church has progressed that we can ask forgiveness for that which the church has done by the way they've asked forgiveness and they've moved yeah. forward they've been redeemed of that error so so he, but then he goes on to say well what's what are people going to look back on our generation in 50 years time and say boy they got that completely wrong yeah And one of his contentions, we don't know the full answer to that yet, but one of his contentions was church-hopping. People are going to look back on that in fifty years and say, what were they thinking? They left that church because the seats weren't comfortable enough, because the sanctuary was the wrong color, yeah. because the music wasn't exactly to their liking, yeah. because the youth pastor wasn't dynamic enough, because yeah. they didn't have a youth group, because yeah. the, the coffee was too cold, because you know, because the food was was too fatty or you know, sugary or whatever. Yeah. It's like all of those excuses that people give for skipping from one church to another until they feel Comfortable. Yeah. People are gonna look back on that and say, Boy, that was selfish.
1: The consumerism aspect yes. yeah. of the church. Yeah.
2: yeah. And we're gonna be relieved when we break through that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I so let's let's blame him for pointing out some yeah. some of those things and say, Yes, we will feel liberated when we break free from some of those mindsets. Yeah.
0: Um, so I think we're, we'll go ahead and wrap it up, but, um, do you guys have anything else to add? We can leave it on that high note. Consumers in Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Stop thinking of yourself, dummies. <laughs> don't be don't be a, don't be a <laughs>